0: Johnny Dollar. Joe McNabb, Northeast Indemnity, Johnny. Oh, hi, Joe. What's up?
1: At the moment, my blood pressure. Too much work? No. Prospect of having to pay off on a $100,000 life insurance policy. Uh Uh-oh. Fellow I think you know, Johnny. Art Wesley.
0: Oh, sure. Been a pal of mine for years. Reporter. Yeah.
1: Apparently he's working on a story right now that somebody doesn't want him to report. What do you mean? Night before last, he got beat up in an alley. Yesterday, a car made a pass at him at high speed. What about today? It's early
0: yet, Johnny. Oh, yeah, sure. But let's hope it's not too late.
1: Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
0: Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Home Office, Northeast Indemnity Affiliates, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Big Scoop matter. Expense account item one, $18.40, transportation and incidentals to New York City. I called Art Wesley's paper. He wasn't in and nobody seemed to know where he was. Then I remembered a small bar called Tony's over on 3rd Avenue. I took a cab, that's item two, a dollar and a quarter, and found him in a corner booth. Sorry, Johnny, no bodyguard. The informants I'm working with will take off fast if they spotted one. No informants, no story. That insurance policy your paper took out on you, who's the beneficiary?
1: A dear departed wife, Joan. Departed? I thought... We split up a couple of months ago. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Art. We were living in two different worlds. I wanted a home and family. She wanted a trip to the moon
0: every night. Where is she now? Who knows? On her way to the moon, I guess. Hey, look, this story you're working on, aren't you? It's hot, Johnny. And
1: big, real big. A national gambling syndicate. And run by a guy right here in New York. Who? I'm getting close, but I'm not sure yet. When I am, then out come my articles. What's
0: this guy gonna do when you push him into a corner? Look, I'm worried about you. You Look, Johnny, I'm not as foolish as you think. I've got his name written down and put in a safe deposit box with what evidence I got. That's my real insurance. Oh, all right, look, we've been friends a long time. I'm not gonna let you do this alone. Sorry, Johnny. I gotta go it alone. Since I'd gotten nowhere with Art, I decided to try his wife, Joan. Even though they were separated, I found her in an apartment on East Sixty-Eighth, but she was hardly what you'd call cooperative.
2: Look, Mr. Dollar, so you're a friend of Art's. At the moment, I'm not,
0: Mrs. Wesley. Your marriage with Art is none of my business. But that insurance policy his paper took out on him is. And incidentally, you're still the beneficiary. So? So he could be in danger, those articles he's writing.
2: Why doesn't he drop it?
0: Oh, look, you know Art better than that. Then
2: what am I supposed to do about it? That story is his business. How I feel about things is my business. And come to think of it, I can't see that either of those things is your business.
0: Item three, a $1.80, cab fare to police headquarters in the office of my old friend, Detective Lieutenant Rostelli.
3: Sure, sure. I know about those attempts on Art's life. So I talked to him and got nowhere.
0: He told me the stories about a national gambling syndicate. This
3: morning he told me.
0: Supposedly the big boss is here in New York. Now, what to do about it?
3: Look, the minute Art quits thinking he's got to hit the jackpot all by himself and lets us in on it, we'll give him all the protection he <laughs> Lieutenant Rostelli. Yeah, yeah, just a minute. It's for you, Johnny. Oh, thanks. Hello? Hello?
0: Art Wesley, Johnny. They told me at your hotel where to reach you. Anything new, Art? I'm leaving town for a few hours. This could be it, Johnny. Tonight could be the jackpot. Well, listen, let me go with you. Sorry, I gotta go alone. It's part of the deal. Art, it could be a trap. I could take care of myself. Call you when I get back. Wish me luck. Well, wait. Art! Art! Item four, a dollar eighty cab to Art's apartment, where I persuaded the manager to let me in. I was looking for anything that would give me a lead. Then, near the phone, on a scratch pad, I found where he'd written the word Watika several times. Sure, Lake Watika, upstate. Art had a lodge there. Item 5, $25 even for a rented car. It was a three-hour drive to Lake Watika, which was bad enough. But to top it off, it started to rain, and rain hard. When I finally got to the highway turn off the side road to the lake was a mass of mud. Then I got two quick breaks. It stopped raining, and I spotted the six-mile road into Art's place. Half an hour further on, I saw a light. Art's car was parked at one side, and the front door of the lodge was wide open. When I got to it, I saw why. Art was lying in the doorway. Yeah, he was the one who wanted to hit the jackpot. But you can't hit the jackpot with a slug... Particularly when that slug is right between your eyes. I drove to the sheriff's office and reported it. Sheriff Tompkins and his boys took over. But in the darkness and the mud, they can only make a routine check. He asked me to meet him at the lodge the next morning, so I
4: did. Uh, uh, buddy was right here in the doorway, huh, son.
0: Yeah, Sheriff, I didn't move it.
4: And uh, Wesley probably got shot when he answered the door by somebody standing out there on the ground.
0: Because of that bullet hole in the
4: roof? Yeah, right over that shelf that's stocked with canned goods, sugar, salt, and the like.
0: Apparently, he used this place regular. Yeah, he used
4: to do some of his writing here. Were you
0: able to determine time of death?
4: Coroner says between 10.30 and 11 last night. uh, What time did you arrive? About half an hour after the rain stopped. I'd say... Put it at 12? Means it was uh, still raining a good half hour after the killing. Eh, no wonder we found no tracks.
0: Hey, look, Sheriff. Art was working on a hot story about a national gambling syndicate.
4: Could be that he found out who the boss was last night, the hard way. Oh? And then uh, you think the killer was from out of town. Maybe New York. Yeah. Yeah. Now, where would he stay? Is there a hotel around here? Lake Watika Inn, just outside the village, about six miles from here. Sheriff, I'll check it out.
5: guests here at the inn, Mr. Dollar. Well, we have only two who checked in yesterday. It's the off season, of course. Yeah, clerk, who are they? Well, Mr. Cooper yesterday afternoon and a Mr. Buckley around dark. Uh
0: Uh-huh. They still here?
5: Mr. Cooper is sitting right out there on the terrace, but uh, Mr. Buckley paid in advance and left quite early this morning. I see. Did Buckley give any reason for stopping here? He said he was a traveling man and didn't like to drive in the rain.
0: (laughs) Okay, okay. I'd like you to write down a description of him. I'll pick it up on the way out.
5: Oh, I'll be glad to,
0: sir. Hi. Oh, good morning. Enjoying the scenery? Yes, immensely. Oh, sit down, won't you? Sure, thanks. My name's Dollar. Mine's Cooper. You just check in? I'll just drop by. Uh, I came yesterday. Uh huh. Pretty up here this time of year.
1: Yes it yes, certainly is. I, I really enjoy places like this in the off-season. It's a nice change. Too bad the weather hasn't been better, huh? Well, the rainstorm last night?
0: Oh, I enjoyed that, too. You were out
1: in it? Oh, no. <laughs> no. No, I enjoyed it the way a storm should be enjoyed. In front of the fireplace in my cottage with a drink and a good book. No, Mr. Dollar, I stayed in last night.
0: And that was that. I picked up the description of the other guest Buckley from the clerk and gave it to Sheriff Tompkins, who got out a bulletin. Then I drove back to New York City, turned in my rented car, and took a cab. That's item six, a seventy, to Joan Wesley's apartment.
2: Yes, they notified me this morning about death. I don't know what to say. What is there to say?
0: <laughs> Good question, Mrs. Wesley.
2: If only he hadn't been so stubborn. If only he'd given up that story about the gambling syndicate or whatever it was. Yeah.
0: You, uh, you figure somebody in the syndicate killed him?
2: Why, of course.
0: Mrs. Wesley, did you know Art had gone on up to the lodge at Lake Watika?
2: No. Mr. Dollar, I'm rather tired. One more I thing.
0: Don't... Did you go out last night?
2: No. It was raining. I stayed here in the apartment. All evening? All evening.
0: I see. Well... Thanks, Mrs. Wesley. Maybe I was imagining, but it seemed to me Joan Wesley hesitated just a little before telling me she hadn't been out of her apartment last night. And if she had gone to Lake Watika, I checked the basement garage. Her car was clean. Too clean. Item 7, $5 to the garage attendant for some very interesting information. Joan Wesley had ordered her car washed first thing this morning. Why? Because the wheels were covered with mud. From last night.
1: Act Two of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. Better schools mean better citizens, better neighbors, better families. But we can't expect our children to respond, to learn and grow if we ourselves are indifferent to their school environment. CBS Radio urges that you write to Better Schools, 9 East 40th Street, New York 16, New York, for information about how citizens can spark community action to improve their schools. That address again is Better Schools, 9 East 40th Street, New York 16, New York. Now, Act Two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the Big Scoop Matter. (laughs)
2: this apartment last night
0: your car says differently joan you had it washed today because it was all muddy and the reason it was muddy was because you had it out in the rain last night another thing you told me you didn't know art had gone to the lodge you hadn't heard from him but the switchboard operator told me you had a call from him yesterday now why else would he call you except to tell you where he was going well how about it joan
2: all right art did call me yesterday and told me he was going to lake watika and
0: how about last night
2: Yes. I went out, but not to Lake Watika. Art
0: wouldn't give you a divorce. By killing him, you get your freedom and a hundred thousand bucks.
2: I didn't kill Art. I didn't go up there last night. And where did you go? Might as well know. The reason I wanted a divorce from Art was because I'd found someone else. Oh? That's where I went for a few minutes last evening. Why did
0: you lie about the phone call from Art yesterday? I don't know. I
2: don't know. I was confused. I was... I was afraid it would look bad for me if it came out that I knew I had gone up there. It
0: doesn't look good for you this way, believe me.
2: Oh, Johnny, I'm telling the truth. Who oh, is this
0: fellow you're interested in? I
2: don't see why he Who has Who is to... he? His name is Ted Nash. Well, you have to talk to him.
0: I sure will. And right now. But I was wrong about talking to Ted Nash right now. I called his apartment and got no answer. Item 9, $1.60, cab fare to police headquarters in the office of Detective Lieutenant Ristelli.
3: You figure this guy Nash and John Wesley could have killed Art and used the gambling syndicate thread as a cover, huh?
0: It's a possibility, Lieutenant.
3: Well, I'll see what I can find out about Nash. How'd you do at Lake Watika?
0: Two guests checked in the day of the killing. One, a man named Buckley. He left early this morning. Sheriff Tompkins has a bullet knot on him. Who else? A fellow named Cooper, who apparently likes to go places in the off-season. Nothing to tie him in particularly. Cooper, huh?
3: I had a rumble some time ago that a guy named Cooper was involved in that gambling syndicate. What? Trouble is, we got no proof. Hey, wait a minute. What's the matter?
0: Art told me he'd put the name of the man he was after in a safe deposit box. If we could find the key to that box... How about Art's apartment? Let's take a look. So we looked, and we found the key tucked away in a desk, but only a number on it. Nothing to tell where it was located. I gave it to Lieutenant Rostelli, and he promised to check every bank in town if necessary. Well, I went on back to Lake Watika to see if the man named Cooper at the inn was the same one Rostelli told me about. When I got there after a frantic three-hour drive, I found him comfortably sitting by the fireplace.
1: Well, wow, uh, Mr.
0: Dollar is... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Cooper, I'm gonna get right to the point. You told me you came up here to enjoy the scenery.
4: Yes, that's right.
0: Why? The man who was killed last night, Art Wesley. He was trying to expose a national gambling syndicate. Oh, that's very interesting. So? So, I know a police detective in New York who thinks you're a member of that syndicate. Well, Mr. Dollar, that's a very
4: serious charge. I presume you have proof.
0: Well? Uh
5: Uh-huh.
0: No proof. Well, in that case, but I don't Mr. think there's Dollar, any...
5: Uh, long-distance call for you. You can take it on that phone right beside you.
0: Thanks, clerk. Johnny Dollar. Ristelli in New York, Johnny. Hi, lieutenant. Do you locate that... Yeah,
3: the safe deposit box. And in it, we found the name
0: of the man Art Wesley was closing in on. It's Cooper. Thanks All very right, much. So you... Well, Cooper, you want a proof? We've got it. Evidence that ties you in with the syndicate. Clerk. Now, this is ridiculous, Dollar. Is it? Let me tell you the facts about this thing. Is
5: is something the matter, Mr. Dollar? Get Sheriff
0: Tompkins on the phone, clerk. Tell him I've got Art Wesley's killer here.
5: You mean Mr. Cooper? Now,
0: now, wait a minute. Now, look, Dollar. If you'd get your facts straight, you'd drop this silly notion of yours. What kind of facts, Cooper?
5: What time
0: was Wesley killed? Between 10.30 and 11 last night.
5: But, Mr. Dollar, Mr. Wesley's place is some six miles from here. That's right. Why? Well, then Mr. Cooper couldn't have killed him. What do you mean? Last night, I took a drink to Mr. Cooper's cottage here at the inn. What time? Around 20 to 11, and I chatted with him for at least 15 minutes. Are you sure about that? Oh, quite sure. Well, Mr. Dollar?
4: I'll buy you a drink sometime.
0: Cooper strolled back to the bar with a satisfied smirk on his face. So the one man who had to be Art's killer... Couldn't have killed him. I called the clerk again and had him repeat his story in detail.
5: If you recall, it rained heavily last night, Mr. Dollar. Yes,
0: yes, I drove through it on my way up here.
5: Well, I was making the rounds of the inn, checking windows, things like that, when the house phone rang. It was Mr. Cooper calling from his cottage. He wanted a drink.
0: You say that was at 20 to 11?
5: Uh, yes, I always jot down the time when I am called away from the desk. All right, go on, go on. Uh, well, when I got to Mr. Cooper's cottage, he was sitting in the living room in front of the fire with a book. Yeah. We chatted a while, and then when I returned here to the desk, I jotted down the time again.
0: 10.55. Well, that does it. What do you mean? Oh, it's a good 20-minute drive from here to Art Wesley's Lodge. If he was killed between 10.30 and 11, and Cooper was here at that time,
5: he he couldn't have done it. Well, I'm so sorry, but facts are facts. and. You know. Oh, excuse me. Lake Watika Inn. Uh, yes, just a moment. Sheriff Tompkins, Mr. Dollar. Oh, thanks. Hi, Sheriff.
4: Thought you ought to know, son. Remember that man Buckley we were looking for? Yeah,
0: sure, the other guest at the inn.
4: Yeah, we picked him up. I've been questioning him for an hour. Any luck? No, sir. He's just a traveling salesman who stayed at the inn because he didn't want to drive in the rain. You sure? Buckley swears he doesn't even know, Cooper? Just between you and me, Johnny, I think we got the wrong fella.
0: No place again. I decided to start all over. Got into my car and drove to Art Wesley's place. Nothing was changed. I remember the trip I'd made the night he was killed, how it rained heavily until about half an hour before I arrived. How I'd found him lying in the open doorway, a bullet hole in his head. Yeah, and the hole in the ceiling over the shelf of provisions, marking the path of the bullet. It was there. So were the provisions, canned food, mustard, sugar, package of crackers. There was some. Wait a minute. Sugar. The sugar bowl. I stared at it for a moment. I remembered a couple of things the room clerk at the inn had told me. And suddenly the whole deal slid neatly and quietly into place. I drove back to the inn fast. Cooper's cottage was empty, so I went inside to the bedroom and took a look around. Then I spotted one of the pictures on the wall, a little out of place. I looked behind it. Yeah, just... Outside, I found Cooper sitting on the terrace in front of the main building. I slid into a chair across from
1: him. Well, Mr. Dollar, what
0: fantastic crime are you going to accuse me of today? Cooper, and I got a one-track mind, and it's still stuck on murder. Oh, now, look, Dollar, we've been over this before, and personally, I, I find
1: it quite boring. So much so that it's interfering with my vacation here.
0: That's too bad.
1: Yes, it is. So I'm leaving this evening.
0: I don't think so, Cooper. Oh, come now. Art Wesley was trying to expose a figure in a gambling syndicate. You. Well, that's a matter of conjecture. You had to stop him for keeps. Oh, now, look, Dollar. Dollar. The time of Art Wesley's death has been established as between 10.30 and 11 last night. That's right, between 10.30 and 11 last night. And I'm sure
1: you remember the room clerk telling you he was with me in my cottage living room from 10.40 to 10.55. I
0: sure do. So
1: that I certainly couldn't have killed your friend Wesley six miles
0: from here during that time. Except that Art Wesley wasn't killed at his lodge. What are you talking about? You see, I remembered something else the clerk had told me. The night of the killing, it stopped raining a little after 11.00. All right, what difference does that make? All the difference in the world, believe me. Here's what really happened, Cooper. You killed Art Wesley in the bedroom of your cottage here at the inn. I don't be it. You immediately me. called the room clerk over and chatted with him in your living room for about 15 minutes. He didn't know there was a corpse in the next room. Oh, really? After he left, you took Wesley's body the six miles to his place and planted it in the doorway. And I looked, Donner, Your problem was to make it look like he'd been killed there. Then you remembered. The slug that had killed him hit the wall in your bedroom. That gave you an idea. You figured out the right angle at the lodge and fired a shot upwards from the outside the door. It went through the ceiling at the back. All right, Dollar, I've had enough of your half-baked theories with no proof whatsoever to back them up. Correction, Cooper, this time I've got proof. There was a shelf of food under the bullet hole and a bowl of sugar directly under it. A bowl of... So what? When sugar gets wet, it gets crusty and it stays that way. But the sugar in that bowl was dry. Now, if the killing was between 10.30 and 11 and it rained heavily until after 11... Then some rain would have dropped through the bullet hole into the sugar. I see. But, Cooper, the sugar was dry. So the bullet hole was made after the time of the murder, when you planted Wesley's body there. Just a little detail, Cooper, but it nails you. That and, of course, the fact I found the slug that really killed Wesley just a couple of minutes ago. Buried in the wall of your bedroom behind a picture. You'd move slightly to cover it.
1: Well, Dollar, I may as well tell you that I saw you come out of my cottage a few minutes ago... I figured you knew.
0: So ever since you sat down here, I've been holding a gun on you under the table. You know, Cooper, I may as well tell you. Ever since I sat down here, I've been holding a gun on you, too. you. Let's have it. <laughs> Why, well, you... You didn't have any gun. A big-time gambler, bluffed right out of the game. Cooper, you're slipping. <laughs> Item 10, 3750, transportation and incidentals back to Hartford. Expense account total, $187.40. Remarks, Cooper's awaiting trial. About Art Wesley? Well, I guess that sugar bowl was a dead man's revenge. And come to think of it, that revenge was pretty sweet. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: Our star will return in just a moment. In days long since gone by, one had to go out in search of Daring Do. But in a fast-moving world, exciting things are happening right around the clock. Things you can be in on no matter what else you're doing, as long as your radio is nearby. With CBS Newsmen on the job, you can make CBS Radio your listening post for world events. Stay tuned now for five minutes of CBS News to be followed over most of these same stations by the FBI in Peace and War. Now, here is our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, colorful
0: New Orleans, from nightlife in the Latin Quarter to the dismal deadly swamps. Join us, won't
1: you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood. Written by Robert Reif, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in tonight's cast were Virginia Gregg, Russell Thorson, Barney Phillips... Stacey Harris, Larry Thor, Parley Bear, and Les Tremaine. Musical supervision is by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Dan Coverley speaking.
6: Hollywood. It's time now for
7: Johnny Dollar. This is Ed Porter, Mr. Dollar. You called my office? Yes, I'd like to see you as soon as I can, Mr. Porter. Well, of course. Now, how long have you been in town? About a half an hour. Are
6: you all squared away?
7: I've got a room and I've had a bath, if that's what you mean.
6: Well, then I guess you're ready to go to work.
7: I will be as soon as I put on some pants.
6: You sound in a rush.
7: I'm always in a rush when I think somebody might be chipping us out of $100,000.
6: Bob Bailey, in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
7: (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Western Life and Trust Company 826 Spear Boulevard, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Markham matter. Expense account item one, $143.69, air transportation from Hartford to San Francisco. Item two, $17 for incidentals along the way, including transportation from the airport to the St. Francis Hotel. I walked the eight blocks to the Commodore building where Ed Porter had his office on the fourth floor. He was a short, thin insurance broker with a face like a tight drum. He apologized for the clammy weather as though it were his fault. He asked me how things were out on the East Coast, invited me to sit down, and looked as uncomfortable as he was. I uh, got the telegram you were coming last night. The investigator. I've never met one in all my years in the business. Must be very interesting work. Yeah, yeah. Look, I don't want to take up too much of your time, Mr. Porter, but I would like to get some information from you. Oh, certainly, Mr. Dollar. What can you tell me about a man named Floyd Markham? Markham? Well, he's the husband of a client of mine. I've met him, but I really can't tell you too much about him. My dealings have always been with Mrs. Markham. She's my customer. Then tell me about Mrs. Markham. Oh, certainly. I, uh, I'm i not going to ask why. I'm sure you have a good reason for coming all the way to San Francisco. The home office thinks I have an excellent reason. Uh, yes. Uh, Mrs. Markham. Well, uh, I've known her for 20 years
6: as a customer. She's wealthy, always has been. And she handles her money well, and she lives rather well.
7: Mrs. Markham's the one who has the money, huh? Uh, Mr. Markham is a salaried man an industrial engineer. Frankly, I think he depends on Mrs. Markham for his livelihood. Ah, oh, yeah. These two checks were issued to Mrs. Markham this year. Recognize them? Mm, yes, yes. Full payments on two endowment policies, $50,000 apiece. And they've cleared the bank. Anything wrong with them? Nothing wrong with the checks. On payoffs like this, I always take it in person. It's a custom, of course, to call and make an appointment and deliver the check to the client. Mm -hmm. And try to sell a little more insurance in the bargain. Well, that's about the idea, yes. Anything strange about Mrs. Markham when you delivered either one of these checks? No. Before I left Hartford, I looked up her insurance records. Her premiums are always paid right on the button. Mrs. Markham doesn't have a business office or a business manager handling her affairs. The checks are always personal checks on her personal account. Now, can you explain why someone like that might forget a third endowment policy? Why, no. Well, there is a third endowment policy. It matured this month. I have the check with me for $50,000. Well, yes, but this business of forgetting... Floyd Markham called Hartford and spoke to the head of the endowment division... He explained that Mrs. Markham was ill and didn't know whether or not a third policy existed. He said he was checking for her. Uh Uh-huh. Now, you say you've known Mrs. Markham over a period of 20 years. Well, is she the kind of person who'd forget $50,000? No one forgets $50,000. Did you notice that both of those checks were deposited in the Markham's joint account? No. Oh, so they were. Maybe Mrs. Markham's feeling generous these days. Why do you say that? Well, they have a rather strange relationship as far as I've been able to perceive. I mean, what money he makes is his and what she has is hers. Oh, yeah. I always like to get out of that house because they never seem to me to be a very close couple in, in any way. But this seems to make sense now. How's that, Mr. Porter? Well, now, I called up and made an appointment to deliver both of these checks. The first time I went over, Mrs. Markham was ill. And the second time, she had just stepped out for a few minutes. Well, who accepted the checks? Mr. Markham. Both times? Yes. As a matter of fact, now that I think of it, he made the
6: appointment on the phone both times.
7: When was the last time you saw Mrs. Markham? Last spring. A check with the bank revealed that Mrs. Markham had not personally made a deposit since June the 18th. The deposit slips were initialed by Floyd Markham. The checks were endorsed by Leslie Markham. There had been no unusual withdrawal. Expense account item three thirty dollars stenographic and notary services for the attached statement.
8: Mrs. Markham's been having her hair done here for nearly ten years now. Once a week, every Thursday morning. Then she just stopped. I called her home, and Mr. Markham informed me that she was away on an extended trip. Mr. Markham called us, uh, it was last June,
9: and informed us that Mrs. Markham was resigning her membership in the bridge club. I telephoned the house twice to see what was the matter. Mr. Markham answered both times and said Mrs. Markham was out.
7: Well, she used to come in here two or three times a month, made us go over the car from top to bottom. She hasn't been around now for seven or eight months. I don't know who's taking care of the car. Expense account item four thirty cents, 3 phone calls to the Markham residence. I didn't state any particular business. I simply asked to speak to Mrs. Markham. Each time I called, a male voice answered. Each time, the male voice told me Mrs. Markham was out, she was ill, and she was away on a short trip. Industrial Management Limited, Floyd B. Markham President, has a three-room office suite near the Embarcadero. Ten years ago, it had been sensationally new and glassy. When I got there, the carpet was a little too thin and the varnish a little too thin, too. The whole place smelled faintly of mildew. Yes? I'd like to see Mr. Markham, please.
8: Do you have an appointment?
7: No, no, not exactly. My name is Harris. I'm with the Cleveland Pump Company.
8: Pump Company?
7: Yes, we're setting in 38 of our installations at the new plant in Valparaiso. Didn't you get my letter?
8: Well, I'm sorry. I'm afraid. May I ask your name again? Harris.
7: Stephen B. Harris. Cleveland Pump Company.
8: Oh, yes. Well, Mr. Harris, I'm afraid Mr. Markham never received your letter. When did you mail it?
7: Uh, Thirty days ago. Maybe it was two weeks. Well, tell Mr. Markham I'm here and I'll... I'm sorry,
8: Mr. Harris. Mr. Markham isn't in the office just now.
7: Oh. Well, I'll wait. Uh, well... Well?
8: Uh, he won't be in today... As a matter of fact, he won't be in the rest of the week.
7: Where can I call him?
8: Well, I'm afraid that's impossible.
7: Can't I call him at home? No. Now look, is he in business or isn't he?
8: Mr. Harris, Mr. Markham hasn't been in the office for six months or more. He's he's tied up on a rather long range project. What's your name? I'm Miss Bidler.
7: Why didn't you say that in the first place, Miss Bidler? Well who else I... can I talk to here?
8: No one, I'm afraid.
7: You mean that's all there is in this office, just you and him, when he feels like coming in?
8: I'll tell Mr. Markham you were here.
7: The Markham House was on Fiera Street, about six blocks from the Fairmont Hotel. Stone walls, iron grill work, tangling ivy. An old house that had been built by rich people for rich people to live in. A looking place that only New Yorkers and San Franciscans can get by with and still be called wealthy. I used Ed Porter's car with the Western Life and Trust Company emblem on the door, parked it in the driveway as close as I could to the entrance. It was exactly one o'clock when the door opened. He was tall and pretty with black hair and broad shoulders. Yes? What is it? I'd like to see Mrs. Markham, please. I'm Mr. Markham. Can I help you? My name's Dollar. I'm with Western Life and Trust Company. Mr. Porter called you? No, he didn't. Oh, well, it must have slipped his mind. He said he was going to call. What's it about? I brought a check from Mrs. Markham on her third endowment policy. Oh. Well, I'll give it to her. She isn't in right now. Well, I'm supposed to deliver it to her. I'll come back another time when she's in. You can give it to me. I'll see that she gets it. I'm sorry, Mr. Markham, but I have to Look, I know you want to
1: give her the check and try to sell her some more insurance. She's just not in the market. And you can save a little spiel where it'll do some good.
7: Oh, you misunderstand me, Mr. Markham. I have to deliver this to her in person. What's your name again? Dollar. Johnny Dollar. Come in. I'll wait till she comes back and make an appointment. Mr. Porter told me he'd made it for three today, She's
1: so... here. She's here. Come in.
7: Why the runaround, around? Mrs. Markham is desperately ill. I don't want to disturb her with things like, like this. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. What's the trouble? A uh, serious anemia. So if, uh, if you'll just give me the I check, have a report I... to make out when I deliver this. I just... Only told... take a minute to hand her the check. Then it'll be off my mind and off your mind. Now, look here, Mr. Didn't Mr. you call the company's home office about this check? I, I called because Mrs. Markham requested me to call. Oh, yes. Just, uh, wait here. In a little swirl of his exit, I smell shaving lotion and guessed at the brand name. I also guessed that his suit cost $300, even if I didn't know what San Francisco tailor had made it. The shirt, the tie, the shoes were expensive, too. Yeah. Mr. Floyd Markham liked expensive things. I wondered if he dyed his hair to keep it all black. I wondered if he was 45 or 50. I also wondered why, in a house of that size, on that kind of street, a servant hadn't answered the door.
1: This way, Mr. Dollar...
7: He led me up a flight of stairs and finally into a high-ceilinged room with a fireplace at one end. A gray-haired woman with a sharp, angular face was seated near the window, looking out over the city in the bay. She didn't turn her head when we came into the room, but I could see that her eyes were watery and slightly glazed. Please don't take too long and
1: don't upset her. Leslie. Leslie, dear.
9: Yes, Lord?
1: This is Mr. Dollar from the insurance company. He has something for you. Be a good girl,
7: Leslie, and speak to Mr. Duller. How do you do? And and ask him...
9: Yes. How is Mr. Porter?
7: Oh, he's uh, fine, Mrs. Markham, fine. He'll be sorry to hear that you've been ill.
9: I really would rather that you didn't tell Mr. Porter. Oh. I'm satisfied to make my own slow recovery and not worry any of my friends. He would like some sherry, Floyd?
7: Now, you know what the doctor said, Leslie.
9: Mr. Dollar, you'd like some sherry, wouldn't you?
7: Why, yes, I'd like that very much. Floyd? No, I'm sorry, Mr. Dollar. It's absolutely forbidden, and you know that, dear. Uh, do you have the check, Mr. Dollar? <sighs> Yes, right here. Here you are, Mrs. Markham. Thank you. Is there anything else, Mr. Dollar? Well, uh... Mr. Dollar? Now, Leslie. Yes. What is it, Mrs. Markham?
9: I'm very tired. Excuse me if I seem impolite. Good day.
7: Good day, Mrs. Markham. Expense account item 5, 10 cents, phone call to Ed Porter at his office.
1: Hey, yes, Mr. Dollar?
7: Look, Mrs. Markham's 5'5", about 120, black hair, gray streak to the right of the part, blue eyes, looks about 40 years old, a good 40. Why,
6: yes, that sounds like her. You mean you've seen her?
7: I've seen what's left of her, Mr. Porter. Oh, good Lord, she's not dead. Almost. What? He's killing her, Mr. Porter. My guess is he's been at it for about six months. <laughs>
6: Two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. Now, Act Two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the Markham Matter.
7: Take a rich old house on a rich old street in San Francisco. Walk in with a legitimate insurance check for $50,000 and tell a man named Floyd Markham you want to deliver to his wife. Tell him this when you know that no one has seen or heard from his wife in six months. Just tell him you want to see her. Insist that you see her. Then stand around and listen to him lie a couple of times. Then let him take you to her. Give her the check. Say goodbye. Twenty minutes after I walked out of the Markham's house and picked up Ed Porter, we drove back to the house and parked a hundred feet from the entrance. This is the darndest thing I ever heard of, Mr. Dollar. I'm not sure it's all clear to me. What's our position? Oh, I wouldn't know that, Mr. Porter. That's up to the legal department. This much I'm sure of right now. Markham's already deposited $100,000 of her insurance money into a joint account. If I'm not mistaken, this last check will go into that account, too. Right now, while we're sitting here, she's probably endorsing that check. Well, then I don't see where it's any of our He's making her endorse the check. He's making her stay in that house, in that room, away from everybody. Well, how? What way? He said she was ill. You said she appeared ill. I don't I I don't a- know how he's doing it, but I'm going to find out. Are you sure this isn't all surmise on your part? You weren't in the room when she said, let's have some sherry. Please, let's have some sherry. Well, I, I must be pretty She nubble- was really saying, trying to say she wanted him to leave the room so she could talk to me. So she could have one little minute to tell me what the matter is, what's going on. His next move is to deposit that check. Then one big withdrawal, a whole 150000 and bye-bye Floyd Markham. Mr. Dollar, I'm just an insurance broker. I don't understand that. Well, How'd you like to be an investigator for about ten minutes? Me? Yeah. You see that car that just pulled up in the driveway? Well, yes. The yes, girl yes. driving it holds down that dummy office of Markham's. Her name's Beidler. She might be in on this with him. A- and that's Mr. Markham leaving the house. Good. Now, look, here's what you do. Follow them. I think I know where they're going, but you follow them and make sure. Well, where are they going? To the bank to deposit that check. Oh, well, where are you going? To have that glass of sherry, Mr. Porter. <laughs> Ed Porter pulled his hat down low over his face and put both hands on the wheel and took out after that fifty-five Cadillac sedan. I crossed the street, went back up on the porch of the house, knocked. I didn't expect it to answer. I didn't expect anyone to answer, but I wanted to make sure. I went around to the garden. There wasn't a sound big old house when I opened the garden door and went up the stairs again. The door to her room was closed. She wasn't by the window anymore. She was stretched out on the divan. I felt her wrist for a pulse. It was there, faint but there. About three inches up her arm, there was a series of little marks. I lifted one eyelid and felt her neck muscles. She was dope to the ears. Mrs. Markham. Mrs. Markham, can you hear me? Look, I've come to help you. Yeah. Me? Yes. Yes, I'm going to take you out of here. Now, don't be frightened.
9: Mr. Dow. That's right.
7: That's right. That's the ticket.
9: Insurance company. Yes. No, I remember. Yes, that's right. Thank you for bringing my check. I don't want... Want... Want
7: what, Mrs. Markham?
9: Want any of my friends to worry. I'm proving that I don't want them to know I'm ill. Just say I'm out of town for a while.
7: He told you to say that, didn't he?
9: Yes. He told me to say exactly that. Mr. Dollar, don't fool me Please don't fool me What? You will help me get out of here You aren't fooling me, are you? Are you?
7: I carried her downstairs and put her in my car and drove her to the St. Regis Emergency Hospital Expense account item $6,100 Deposit with the hospital office I explained as much as necessary to the intern who promised to advise me when Mrs. Markham became rational. After that, I drove back to the house. Ed Porter's blue coupe was parked across the street. I
6: didn't know what to do but come back here. And when I got back, I didn't know what to do
7: either. Slow down, slow down. You're doing fine. Oh, you were right. You were absolutely right. They went straight to the Bank of America to deposit that money. I kind of thought they might be back here by now. No, no, they're over at Angelo's having a drink and some dinner. I followed them there. You're getting to be quite a sleuth, Mr. Porter. Well, I try to do my best and use my head. Uh, Mr. Dollarhood, did you talk to Mrs. Markham? As much as I could. She was doped. I took her out and put her in the hospital. Oh. Well, should you have done that, Mr. Dollar? I could have left her up in that room to die, Mr. Porter. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, uh, what's our next move? Ours? Well, certainly. I can't quit now, Mr. Uh, Johnny. (laughs) Well, let's go to Angelo's, Eddie. Ed Porter settled the hat lower on his ears and gripped the wheel harder, and we took off for Angelo's on Stoker Street. When we got there, we didn't have to go inside to see if our people were still around. The Cadillac sedan was in the parking lot. So we took up a plant across the street. Well, why wait? Why not go in and take them out of there and take them down to the police? Well, that might blow the whole thing. Now, we have to wait and see what Mrs. Markham has to say when she's well enough to talk. Yeah, but... Uh... I'm sure she'll have some charges to prefer. In the meantime, we wait and see what's what. Yeah, what do you think he'll do when he goes home and finds her gone? <laughs> well, that'll be pretty interesting. What do you think he'll do? Well, I, I imagine he'll, um... Uh, he'll think she got up and walked out. No, up. no, he knows better than that. He's had her doped up for six months. He knows he can go out of the house and she'll stay right where he left her while he's gone. Now, that isn't it. Oh. Well, then he'll know that she had help. That's more like it, Mr. Porter. Uh, I i liked Eddie. it uh, gives me kind of a feeling. Okay, Eddie. I'll answer the question. Oh, uh, what'll he do? Well, uh... It's. He'll try to get out of town That's it, he'll try to leave town He'll know that he's had it Come on Huh? They're pulling out We followed them to a cocktail lounge near the Presidio We waited around outside the place for two hours Expense account item 7, 25 cents I called the St. Regis Receiving Hospital Mrs. Markham's condition was unchanged Item 8, $2, two hamburgers, two cokes and cigarettes for Mr. Porter and myself we had just finished eating when Floyd Markham's Cadillac turned out onto the street. We followed it for ten minutes. When Markham parked on a dark hill, we cut our lights and came to a stop. Mr. Dollar? Yeah, Eddie? Can you see what they're doing? Yeah. What? Necking. Huh? Necking. You know. I should have telephoned my wife. At 12.10, Floyd Markham turned the car around and drove back into town. We followed once more. We saw him double park outside a four-story apartment house on a steep hill. Let the woman out, then drive on. Eddie? Yeah, Johnny? Think you can handle something else alone? Oh, I'd love to. Women sometimes talk a lot easier than men. You keep on him. When he finds his wife absent, I want to know where he goes. Wherever it is, I'll let you know. You gonna shake her down? Uh, something like that. Yeah. Get going. I watched my new assistant investigator follow out after Markham's Cadillac. Then I went inside the apartment house. I, Bidler, was on the mailbox of apartment 104. I walked down the hall, listened a minute, and gave it a try.
8: Yes? Well, what on earth are you doing? I'm
7: here to see you, Miss Bidler. It's important.
8: You're, um... Mr. Harris.
7: I'm Mr. Dollar, Johnny Dollar. I'm an insurance investigator.
8: Oh. There was something about you today. I I wasn't sure. Now
7: you're sure. Oh, oh, what are you... Right now, I'm working for Western Life and Trust Company. You'd better sit down.
8: Well, I don't know that I'd better do anything, Mr. Dollar. You're rather rude.
7: Then you can stand. We've been checking into Floyd Markham. I don't think I have to tell you what we found out so far. I think you also know that by this time tomorrow, he would be in jail, and you might be right along with him.
8: Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Dollar. I simply don't Oh, don't, don't be under-
7: sorry. Just use your head. I said you might be right along with him. On the other hand, if you have some useful information, the insurance company might be useful to you. What do you mean? Well, I figure he sold you on a, an island trip or a, an estate in the country bill of goods. It'll be harder getting it out of him, but we'll get it one way or another. We'll get it all right. Now, what do you want to do?
8: I I want a drink. You? Oh thanks. I'm I'm not bad. I'm I'm not a criminal. I, I've never been in trouble.
7: You are now.
8: Why? Because I fell in love with him?
7: Because you were helping him kill her.
8: What are you talking about?
7: Mrs. Markham. She's in a hospital right now. What? I took her there myself today. He's had a dope with I don't know what for months. Having her signed checks, doors deposit slips.
8: <sighs> Funny. Is it? He told me that Mrs. Markham was out of town. Divorcing him. I wondered how I... You were right. It was a country estate. In England... A genteel life, he said. The London theater, walks in the country, little harmless things that most people can never do. He said we could do them as soon as he cleaned up his affairs. Why, tonight, he said we could start... Park... Parking...
7: I took Iris Beider with me back to the Markham house. The Cadillac was in the garage and Ed Porter's blue coupe was pulled up across the street. When he saw us in the cab, he walked up. Hi. Hi. How's he doing? Uh, you can talk in front of her. Well, he,
6: he hasn't done anything.
7: I mean, I saw the light go on upstairs in Mrs. Markham's room, then it went out again. He's downstairs now, sitting in the living room. Okay. Wait here. Uh. Him. Hello. If you're worried about your wife, which I doubt, she's in the hospital. Are you a policeman? Insurance investigator. That's Miss byler in the taxi over there. Oh. I want you to come with me now. Of course. Yes. You said your name was Dollar. That's right. Why couldn't you have come around and say... Next week. She'd have been dead by then. That's the way she should have been for 16 years. Dead. Yeah. Come on, (laughs) Markham. Expense account, item 9, $102. Hotel and board in San Francisco. Item 10, $116. Airfare back to Hartford. Item 11, $42.16 miscellaneous. Remarks, we'll wind up in court. Mrs. Markham's charges will include attempted homicide, attempt to defraud, attempt to... In the end, it was his attempt to run away, and it didn't work. It never works. Even if you get away, you'll find something new to run from. Total expenses, $968.20. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
6: Here's our star to tell you about next week's story
7: Before I do I want to say something to you about Thanksgiving Now there's a day that deserves celebration And heartfelt thanks to the God who made us For being the most free and peaceful And bountiful country in the world And yet Why wait for next Thursday Or any Thanksgiving day For Americans it seems to me Thanksgiving should be every day Think about it won't you Next week in our story, New Orleans, the French Quarter, a beautiful girl and high adventure. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
6: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in tonight's cast were Lois Corbett, Frank Nelson, Virginia Gregg, Burt Holland, Paula Winslow, and John Daner. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking.